Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. Well, friends, we are taking just a short break from the book of Ephesians to dive into a series for the next two weeks called Build This House. Build This House. And in the verse, the, the passage of scripture that really inspired this phrase, really inspired these next two weeks, can be found, if you've got a Bible, you can open it up. It'll be on the screen here in a second. But it can be found in Matthew 16, verse 16 to 18. And just for a little context, I have preached on this verse many times before. I've actually shot a video last time our church went to Israel from this location, Caesarea in Philippi, which is very significant to the content of this verse, is where Jesus actually spoke these words to his disciples. Because he was surrounded in Caesarea Philippi by just about every idol you could imagine. Just about every false god that you could worship, there is a shrine to all of them carved into the cliffs behind him as he is speaking these words and asking this question of his followers, of his disciples. And so Jesus poses them a question, and he's posing it to you and to me today, 2,000 years later. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? He's already asked them, what do others say of me? Who do others say that I am, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, the promised one, the one whom God mentioned all the way back in Genesis 3, who's going to crush the head of the serpent and bring life and light and freedom to humanity. That's you. That's who we believe you are, Jesus. That's who I believe you are, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon. And he goes on. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. On this rock, the, the reality of who I am, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, son of the living God, fully God, fully man, sent from heaven to be the savior. On this rock, I will build my church. You know, recently, my wife and I got into a new show. And uh, by my wife and I, I mean, I got into the show and she suffered through it. Let me just give you all some marriage advice, okay? Free, like we care about building healthy marriages here at Hills Church. So uh, this is just free. It's something I've learned through experience. Friends, very rarely in life do you find a show that you both love. So just alternate. Just, and, and men, I know it's tough. You just gotta kind of suck it up and say, okay, I'm gonna suffer through this and pretend like I like it the whole time because the next show, it's gonna be your show and she's gonna have to do the same thing. It's how we build healthy marriages, one Netflix series at a time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't quote me on that. That's not what we believe, but I do think this is helpful. Anyways, we got into this show. I got into this show called Alone. Anybody seen this? Unbelievable. 
So they, uh, it has all the elements of a show that I would love, right? It is these people, uh, most of them supposedly survival experts, just think about the Joe Schmo version of Bear Grylls, dropped off in, in the wilderness somewhere. There's been several seasons, and so there's been alone in the desert, alone in Antarctica, alone wherever. And this season that we saw, they were dropped off around this massive lake in the Canadian wilderness. And it, the show is what, what it says. I mean, it is true to the title, alone. They aren't hanging out together. Each person gets their own space, their own spot. And this lake is so big, none of these people see each other or have any interaction with one another throughout the duration of the show. The point of the show is simply this. Each person is allowed to select from certain items that they can bring into the backcountry for survival. And once they are dropped off, they have to either forage, catch, fish, hunt for their own food. They have to build their own shelter. And whoever survives the longest wins $500,000. Whoever makes it the longest. So it's a test of will. It's a test of survival. It's a test of all these things. And you can't help yourself on the front end but wondering, you know, you start to kind of place bets in your mind. Oh, they're, they're not going to make it a week no way is that, per they're not gonna make it two weeks. That person might make it. You know, you start to get into their personalities. You start to see their mental states as it settles in on them. They are truly alone. And I'll never forget, side note, there's this one guy. I thought this was actually a pretty good strategy. I don't actually know if he was a survival wilderness expert. Uh, he played in a rock band. And the moment he found out that he got into the show, he made the show, he spent the next eight months like going full grizzly bear hibernation, packing on as much weight as he physically could. And he said, yeah, I'm just gonna tell you right now, my goal is to outlast everyone, even if I don't catch any food or find any food. I'm just gonna live on the food that I brought with me, right? Here. Oh, that's a pretty good strategy. I'll let y'all watch the show to see how long he makes it. Um, but then there was this like, little petite girl from England or Europe somewhere. And I remember looking at her thinking, man, if she goes a day without food, she's done. She's about to blow away on like a stiff breeze. She's gone. And I remember watching her and she, she kind of gave us her strategy to the camera. You get to see into these people's lives. And she said, yeah, I'm a vegetarian. I'm going to, I'm going to forage. I know everything out here that's edible, including insects, Praise God for food trucks. Y'all are blessed. Welcome. Um, and uh, she said, okay, I've got a strategy, but the first thing I'm going to do is build a shelter. It's the very first thing. I'll forage a little bit in the mornings, but we are in the Canadian wilderness on the edge of winter. I need somewhere to stay dry and warm. And they give you one tarp. That's it. And so everybody else is really focused on building up some food storage and they're throwing their tarps over logs and, you know, over trees and they're just making do with shelter. But this woman got to work. She found a sharp rock and some sticks and she began to burrow down into the ground. And she dug a, a foundation that was about as deep as this stage is to the floor. 
She built uh, like an in-house chimney, perfectly placed with stones and mud, like right on the edge of her little foundational area. And then above the foundation from the ground up, she stacked rocks and moss and mud and just the perfect pieces of wood to block the wind or the conditions. And then she insulated the whole thing and put the, the tarp over the top. I was like, man, this is an incredible, I, I was fascinated, fascinated by this woman's house. And what blew my mind is this. Turns out, storms hit often in the Canadian wilderness, especially on this lake, and the wind was fierce, and they would kick up out of nowhere, 40, 50, 60 mile an hour winds. This lake was at elevation, so even in the middle of winter, a snowstorm could come. And many of the people were so demoralized and discouraged in their tarps under a twig that they quit early because they didn't have shelter. They chose the wrong thing. And even those who, who put a lot of time into their shelter, if they didn't really focus on the foundation, the shelter didn't make it. And I won't, I won't give away the show and tell you who wins, but I will tell you this. That feisty little English woman, uh, she made it to the final group. I know you're all going to go search the show and see what happens right now, but I was blown away, and it was primarily because of her shelter. Friends, all good shelters depend on a good foundation, and your life and my life is no different. All good lives are built on a strong foundation. And Jesus himself said, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. On this rock, the knowledge of who I am. Peter, you're correct. I am God in the flesh. God is my father, and he sent me here to be the savior of the world. And on this truth, on this rock, I'm going to build my church, and my church is going to be made of living stones, men and women and children who are fulfilling my calling. He says this, Jesus says this in Matthew 7, 24. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise person, a wise man, a wise woman who built their house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Friends, the question is not whether you will face storms in this life. The question is, will your life stand when the storms come? The question is, is your life built on a firm foundation that when you are faced with whatever you're faced with tomorrow, next week, next year, will you still be standing? The question was not for this little British feisty woman is it going to snow in the winter in Canada? The question was, how fast can I build my shelter? Because the snow is coming. The storms are coming. And can I build my shelter in such a way that will protect me, insulate me, cover me from the storms? Friends, the church, Hills Church, the church, built with living stones, is called by God to provide shelter for your life. 
It's called to provide meaning and purpose for your life. It's called to provide spiritual life in the midst of a world that is harsh and a culture that has nothing to offer except cheap thrills, cheap hits, shallow truth. It's meant to bring and be a place, the church is meant to bring hope to the downtrodden, to be a place for those who are strong in the faith to lift those who are weak, a place where those who are wandering without purpose can find an anchor for their souls, a place for healing, a place for mission and meaning, a place for learning the way of Jesus. So build this house. What does it mean for us to be a part of building the church? What does it look like for you and me to partner with Jesus in doing what Jesus is doing here at Hills Church? You see, every church across the planet, they have to decide and determine and figure out what is our expression of fulfilling the Great Commission going to look like? How are we going to do that? here in El Dorado Hills? How are we going to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to follow the way of Jesus? How do we do that here? Well, today we're going to bring some definition to that. The next two weeks, we're going to bring some definition to that, and we're going to unpack what it looks like for you and me to build this house. Amen? So for years, and it was beautiful, for years, the, the quote-unquote mission statement of our church was just a very simple rephrasing of the Great Commission. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. Helping people find and follow Jesus, and that was dead on. I love that mission statement, right? But as we thought and prayed through this as a team, as we thought and prayed through, man, how do we bring a little more clarity, a little more mission clarity to that statement? How do we expand it just a little bit? We thought, man, how do we build this house? What are the pillars on which this church will stand in the days ahead? This is what we came up with, this statement here. Hills Church exists to help people, and that could just be a period right there, but we exist to help people encounter Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the hope of Christ. We believe Jesus is alive. It's no accident you're here today. We want to introduce you not to a Jewish carpenter or a great philosopher or a great teacher who died 2,000 years ago but still has some good wisdom for our life today. No. We want to introduce you to God, and his name is Jesus, and he's alive from the dead, and he's here with us today. And friends, if you don't know him, by putting your faith in him, it's not just a little, oh, my life just got a little better. I got some, you know, new strategies for how to live. No, what we believe is that when you encounter one encounter with Jesus, with the risen king, you go from death to life spiritually. And friends, that changes everything. So the very first reason that we exist is to help people encounter him, to point people to him, to tell people about him and his gospel, the good news of the empty tomb of the cross where our sins were paid for. We also exist to help people experience growth. And that's what we've been talking about in Ephesians. We're all called to grow up into Christ, to grow into the image of Christ, to find freedom in our personal lives, to grow in our marriages, to grow in our parenting, to grow in our gifts, our calling, our passion. Friends, 
when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior and he takes up residence in your soul, growth begins to happen in every area of your life. And it's a journey. It's a journey that takes 70, 80, 90 years as long as he's given us on this earth. But we're called to grow. So we want to help people encounter Jesus, experience growth, find community, which today is all about. That's why we're, we are just encouraging as strongly as we can, saying you were not designed to do this alone. We are better together. You'll see the t-shirts around. We need one another. We're the body of Christ. You can't be a living body, part of the body, if you're not connected to the body. And groups is the doorway. And we exist to serve others which is not just locally, but globally. And that's why we lean in so hard to our For the 50 initiatives, to our Love the 50 week, which is coming up this fall, where over 700 volunteers are gonna jump into 50 plus projects up and down the 50 Highway 50 corridor and just unleash the love of Jesus on our communities and all the way from Sacramento, all the way up towards Tahoe. We exist to serve others because we believe Jesus Christ himself did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Now here's the tension that many of us feel, and if you've been a part of church for a little while, you feel this, right? And there are some churches, man, they're, they're really focused on reaching wide. How do we reach more people? How do, we, how do we connect with more people? And that's absolutely a part of the call of the gospel is we're called to reach wide. All, all are invited to come and know Jesus. And then there are some churches that really focus on going deep. Man, we need to have some more deep Bible teaching. We need to go deeper in discipleship. We need to get into, man, the theology surrounding all the nuances and the timelines of the end times. We need to get into all these different things. And man, I'm not, I don't want to be a part of a church unless it's really deep. And friends, theology matters. Doctrine matters. All the theology around the end times matters. I'm not belittling that at all. What I am saying is this. If you end up only focusing on going deep, man, you've got a really cool holy huddle, but no one else really feels invited. Or they have no clue what's going on when they walk in for the first time. And so this is a tension that we, that every church has to balance. Go to all nations, reach wide, and make disciples teaching them to follow me. Reach wide, teach them, go deep, and then grow. Experience the joy and the freedom of growing into everything God has called you and designed you to be as an image bearer of God. And so these four pillars, what we're going to look at is, is how these connect to the mission of what we do as a church. And so if you're here for the first time, this is a great moment for you to understand the why behind the what of what we do as a church, who we are as a church. Maybe you've been around church for a long time and you're like, man, I had, I had questions about this anyways. Why, why do churches do this? Why do you do this, Hills Church? Well, let's start to unpack it just a little bit here. So our four pillars encounter Jesus, experience growth, find community, and to serve others. How do we do this first pillar? What does that look like for us? Well, it looks like everything we do as a church that reaches wide, and we'll get into that in a second. It looks like Sunday services, part of these moments and why they're so important for all of us. 
is because this is a house of worship. We go to a lot of different places throughout the week, but there's only one place that you go to every week where you say the sole purpose of me going here is to hear the Bible taught and to worship God. It's a house of worship. It's a house where you reorient yourself to true north, to Jesus Christ himself, to who you are and to who he is. This gathering is vital for your spiritual health. It's vital. So that's, all of this is built around encountering Christ. Now, to experience growth, I want to say this, you can experience some growth on a Sunday morning basis. Some growth. But to experience the growth that God has for you, to grow into the fullness of who God has called you to be, you got to take a next step. There's a next step card in the seat back in front of you. There are welcome to church lunches once a month. There's welcome tents around our campus today. So many ways for you to take a next step and to jump in to who we are as a church. Another way to experience growth is through baptism. If you've never taken the step of baptism, that is the first step in your journey of faith that Jesus calls you to take. And from there, again, that's a massive part of your spiritual growth. And then something I am so excited to talk about today, could probably preach another hour on this one, is something we're launching this fall called Rooted. Rooted. And friends, it's a, it's a pilot course for us, so there's only 100 spots and we're gonna, we're gonna do it again in the spring. It's, be, it's gonna become an annual rhythm for our church where we hold this three times a year. But friends, I don't care if you've been here for 10 years or 10 days or 10 minutes. I wanna encourage you to jump into Rooted. It is a foundational course on the core theological realities of the Christian faith and what it looks like to follow Jesus. It dives into everything from strongholds to spiritual warfare to theology to living the practice of Christ. And you do this with a rooted group and you journey together through this for 10 weeks. And I know 10 weeks sounds long, but friends, what we've noticed through the past two years, through pandemic, through all the things we've been through as a church, is that the American church in general us included, me included, right, is about a mile wide and an inch deep. Our roots don't go very deep. We don't know much about the Bible. We don't know much about what we profess to believe. And the Lord's inviting us deeper and rooted is your next step. Rooted is your next step. And if you don't get in this time, jump in in the winter session. Find community groups, as we mentioned, man, men's, women's, young adults, youth group launching tonight. Um, we have adult groups, married groups, care groups. We have so many different opportunities for you to find people to begin doing life with. Jump into a group, take that next step, jump into a group, find community, and then serve others, which we'll get into more next week, which is everything under our For the 50 initiative, all the ways that you can serve on a volunteer team, and even our global missions opportunities coming up in the next year. But I want to hit on just a few things as we move through this. Friends, we're called to encounter Jesus, and I mentioned this verse already. It says, God our Savior desires, who? All people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, for there is one God, 
one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all. You see, the church is called to reach people where they are. Jesus Christ himself became flesh and dwelt among us. He came to reach us where we are and we're called to do the same. Paul himself said it like this. He said, I have become all things to all people that by any means, all means, I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Friends, this is who we're called to be as a church. And I remember about a year ago, I had the opportunity to sit down with our founding pastor, Jeff, and his wife, Jerry. And he said something that was so profound, and it was such a good reminder. He said that the church is, is called to be like a Wheaties box. I thought, what, you know, what do you mean by that, Jeff? He's like, you know, the cover of the Wheaties box has changed a lot from when it started. In fact, I found the original Wheaties box. I don't even know what year that was, but that was the original Wheaties box. Now, this is one of the more recent Wheaties boxes. The cover's changed a lot. The logo's changed a lot. A lot has changed, but the contents of the box are essentially the same. And so how we as a church decide to reach, to reach wide and help others encounter Jesus, the box might look different, and lots of churches do it differently. And man, we are a fan of every Jesus-believing church. We are in the corner of every Jesus-believing church in this city, and we are saying, man, it may look a little different for all of us, but the message is the same. We want people to find the hope of the gospel through Christ. And so some of the ways that we reach wide to help people encounter Jesus is through personal invitations, through events like men's and women's events, through Camp X, Youth X, through Love the 50 Week, through Global Missions, through online and social media, through our Christmas Eve services or our Easter services or our Easter egg hunt, through living missionally, personally, through community events that we hold here all the time, like graduation banquets or sports team banquets, to something that we're really fired up about this winter, a snow tube hill that we're gonna be launching as a Christmas outreach, which I am fired up about. And again, it, you get into this question of why? We're trying to meet the community where they are. So we can invite them in to have an encounter with Jesus and more information on all that to come. But we're fired up about it. But the next thing is so that people can truly experience growth. Ephesians says it like this. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by human, coming and human cunning and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up, to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Ephesians 4, 14, and 15. Friends, growth is not optional for the Christian. Growth is not even optional for the Christian. Growth is what we're called into, to grow and become more and more like Christ. I want to close with this and the keys can come up. Friends, a lot of this growth happens in the context of community. Taking a next step, jumping into a rooted group, 
taking a step of baptism, friends, nothing changes if nothing changes. If we don't take a step, we're not gonna experience what God has for us. And Ephesians describes it very specifically. It says this, as we speak the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, the head of the body, into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together. I'll close with this last illustration. I don't know if you all ever have this issue. So my wife and I have AirPods, earbuds, for our iPhones, and we never know which one belongs to who. And so they look the same on the outside. And I always get frustrated because mine always seem to be missing, and I, I pick hers up, and I open it up, and my phone won't connect, so I have to, like, attach my phone to her AirPods, and she has to do the same with mine. And so our AirPods are, are constantly connecting and, you know, disconnecting and crossing signals with each other's phones. And I might be on the phone, but the moment she pulls up in the driveway, somehow my conversation is now blaring through the speakers in her car. And it just happens all the time. I'm like, there's so much Bluetooth in my life right now. It's just everywhere. It's all getting crossed. All the signals are getting crossed. And no joke, this happened to me the other day. I'm, I'm driving to the church from my house down Eldorado Hills Boulevard, and I don't know if you've ever been here in this moment. This is a horrible place to be, but I'm on the phone with my cell phone service provider, and I'm talking to somebody who barely knows English, and I keep getting pushed around to different people to figure out the issue that we're having, and then I'm on hold for like 35 minutes, Waiting, waiting, waiting. And I'm just like, all right. You know, once you get to a certain point on hold, you're, you can't back out. You've reached the point of no return. You're, you're like, I don't care if I have to wait for an hour and a half. I'm not getting off this call. And I, I'm driving down Eldorado Hills Boulevard. I'm on hold. And I, I had no idea at this moment, but my wife was actually coming the opposite direction on Eldorado Hills Boulevard. And she just so happened to be on a phone call with all of her friends uh, from back in Georgia. It was somebody's birthday, so of course they're all doing like a FaceTime conversation or whatever. And I don't know if it was on her earbuds or in her car, on her Bluetooth, but suddenly I'm driving and then in my ears, it goes from like the little holding tone song thing to all these women just laughing about something. I have no idea what's happening. And then somebody jumps in and starts talking about something and I'm like, what, what, like, what is going on? And I'm actually stopped at a light and I look over and there's my wife. And I'm like, turn it off, like get me back. You, you've got mine, I've got yours, we gotta fit. I've been on hold for 30, you know. And she's like, what is happening? And she just hits end call. I was like, no, I gotta start over. I didn't even try. I don't even think she knows about this until right now. <laughs> but friends, when it comes to community and when it says, look, we're all joined together. All of us are joined and held together. And, and Jesus Christ is the head. He is the leader. 
The body doesn't function without communication with the head. The body can't function without connection to Jesus Christ, but we also can't function without connection to one another. We are his body in the earth. And it's from him that we get the message and the signal and all the different things. And friends, we are all like AirPods with massive Bluetooth signals that are picking up all sorts of conversations in the airwaves of our culture and our society and the church, this reality of groups, this reality of connecting ourselves to one another and therefore connecting to Christ. Friends, there is no growth in your life without connection to the body of Christ, to the people around you. And if you're not connected, if you're isolated, if you're cut off from the truth of who Jesus is through the context of his local church, all the other conversations of the world are going to be in your ear and they're going to take you off track. Friends, community is not optional. It's how we grow. It's how we know who we are and what we're called to be. So take a step today jump into Rooted, make the commitment. Look, community is not easy. It's inconvenient. Life is busy. There are one million reasons why you should not join a group. You're an introvert. You don't like people. <laughs> Name it. But Jesus goes, that's my way forward. And that's my body of Christ. It's my church. Jump in and you'll begin to grow. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.